And here comes the biggest trauma of her entire life barging into her living room as she's sitting in her jammies on the couch, experiencing the only real bliss we have as adults, which is doing fucking nothing in your pajamas on the couch. And here are the worst people in her life to ruin it. Well, Jessica and Zach, from the day they were born, they started watching comedy because it was on. She was a golden girl, he had Seinfeld on the brain. They said a nine-year-old Frasier fan might just be insane. Harry and the Hendersons, Mindy and Mork. Now Jessica and Zach get together and talk. They'll never say the sitcom's glory days are gone. They'll still watch it because it was on. 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 Is it too early to set up a Patreon? And they'll call it because it was on. Because it was on Because it was on Because it was on Because it was on Hello and welcome to Because It Was On, the fancy film podcast, but for people who like to talk about that episode of Night Court where a millionaire Texan with a gambling problem wagers to pay for an orphanage on the brink of foreclosure if the Night Court gang can process 207 cases by midnight. I'm Jessica, and I told my husband too many times to pick his laundry up off the floor, and now he is considering cheating on me with his high school sweetheart, and I'm going to learn a lesson about asking nicely. (laughs) And I'm Zach, and my boss refuses to fix our company elevator, and so this is the third time this week that I've got stuck in it and had to deliver some woman's baby. Zach, you really need to find a new job. This boss is just running you ragged. I believe in our mission, Jessica. (laughs) (laughs) It's a mission-driven company. Zach, I'm really excited today because we are going to talk about a John Goodman property. I love John Goodman. He's my birthday 20, if you didn't know. Gemini Gang, June 20th. Woo-woo. So, yeah, probably are all familiar with it. Mm -hmm. We're talking John Goodman in his element where he is playing a father- wearing his flannel, drinking Mm -hmm. beer in the Midwest. Always with Um, a one-liner. Yeah, always got that one-liner. Lovable Um, dad. And, of course, obviously, we are talking about Normal Ohio. Obviously. What else Uh, could we have been talking? What did you guys think we were talking about? Idiots. You're so dumb. <laughs> Normal God, you're so Ohio. Dumb. <laughs> On the subway right now, everybody knows. <laughs> everybody knows. What's Normal Ohio? Um, well, if you haven't guessed by now, uh, <laughs> Normal Ohio was a 12-episode series starring John Goodman that was so delightful and beloved by the fans that the network only released seven episodes before they're like, uh, we're not even going to fucking bother with the rest. And uh, nobody asked for them either. Yeah, you know it's bad when they don't even release everything that they made. Oof. This was John Goodman's first project after Roseanne. It was his return to the small screen. And so he was very much typecast in the same sort of role that we were describing. But twists he gave this time. This fall, John Goodman is a normal guy. Run, you son of a run! 
from a normal family. When you bend over, I can see the turnpike, the toll booth, and your change basket. With one little twist. I'm a big girl. John Goodman stars. It's all my fault. Oh, Mom, it's not all your fault. It's Daddy's fault. In normal Ohio. I knew we shouldn't have sent him to that wrestling camp. <laughs> Series premiere Wednesday, November 1st at 8.30 on Fox. He's a big gay fella returning to his hometown <laughs> in Normal, Ohio with his... Inexplicably. Yeah, just because ostensibly it is to return and reconnect with his family. But as we will discuss, his family is dog shit. Yeah, and he hates why... them. They hate him. Why? Why'd you return? You won. You were in Hollywood. Like you got out. Like... You made it. You made it. Yeah. So he inexplicably decides to return to normal Ohio to hang out with this shitbag family and hijinks ensue? Question mark. Yeah. So he decides to abandon. There must have been like they were going to reveal later that um, his life fell apart in Hollywood. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about that because this is a trope we most often see with gay characters is and what's really important to queer people in actual life is like the idea of a found family and here we're putting such emphasis on an actual family that fucking hates him and so i wonder and there's little nuggets hidden throughout that show that like he actually like he never had a found family and he was never able to create that life and so maybe we'll create some lore around butch yeah, we, we have to do around how sad his life must have been for him to want to move back to normal Ohio. So as our loyal listeners know, we, of course, are beholden to market demand and what the people <laughs> want. We have our finger on the pulse of the nation and the people are screaming for us to give our headcanon for normal Ohio, <laughs> the seven episode canceled <laughs> television show with John from Goodman 2000. from the year 2000. We are notoriously great at episode ideation. Some people say that we're too corporate. We're always just taking the commercial aspect yeah, first. Only playing the hits here. And we've yet to make an office one. Oh. <laughs> Normal Ohio got done before the <laughs> office on our podcast. That's we fact. are not in it undeniable. for the money, folks. It's an undeniable <laughs> fact. 30 Rock, fuck you. How I Met Your Mother, leave fucking leave we don't need you the office get out of here parks and recreation i don't want to look you in the eyes we're here to talk about normal ohio we're doing normal ohio folks as the premier podcast about sitcoms i will do an episode (laughs) about the office when i am cold and dead in the fucking ground Fucking make me talk about the office I will do a three-parter on Dharma and Greg. All that to say, our episode on The Office will be coming out in two (laughs) weeks. Everybody get ready. So, Zach, I think it, it, where do you, where should we start? Do you want to start just, let's hit episode one, talk about it, highlights, and then that highlights will be quick. So low lights, which will take a while. Or do you want to talk at all about how we got to normal Ohio? Yeah, I think before we dive into this, we need to find out who is responsible for this. Who do we hold accountable? Yes, 
Who and who is that? The show creators for this were Bonnie and Terry Turner. They are most famous for Third Rock in the Sun and the '70s show, and a bunch so, of SNL stuff. I think they, yeah, they, they, they were either SNL writers or they produced a bunch of like everything that spins off from SNL type properties. Yeah, they did the Brady Bunch movie. They've written some great content in their time. Normal Ohio. <laughs> Look, if you don't have any failures, you're never you're never going to have a success. You miss every shot you don't take. To be clear, because I think we played coy about this, the cards on the table, the show fucking sucks, folks. Yeah, yeah, we should be clear about that up front and up and in, in center. Normal Ohio is a very bad sitcom. So why are we here sitting here talking about a really bad sitcom when we could be talking about, say, The Office? And I think there are a couple of reasons. One, it's interesting to look at a show that failed in general to understand why that happened. But this show in specific, if you really think about it, is cooking with all of the right ingredients, right? We have writers who created very successful shows in the past. Third Rock from the Sun. I love Third Rock from the Sun. That 70s show, absolute mega hit, right? And we have a production company backing it that is one of the most successful of all time. We're talking to the Carsey Werner production company, which backed basically all of your favorite shows on NBC from the 80s. So the Cosby show, Roseanne, those types of properties were all Carsey Warner productions, which I have a secondary pitch stack when we're super famous podcasters and just like fucking writing books for fun. I think we should do like a history of the Carsey Warner production company. Get the inside tea. Feel like that's yeah, really unexplored territory. That. <laughs> yeah, unexplored territory for us to really dig into. The people are asking for it. All of that is to say they're cooking with the right ingredients. We have a very successful writing team. We have a very successful production team. And we have John Goodman front and center, America's dad. So you look at all these elements and you're a Fox executive. You're saying this is a sure fire success. And then you give it a kind of, especially for the time in 2000, a little bit of like an edgy topic, right? The main character, John Goodman is gay. You throw it on the Fox network, which has had a reputation for being a little bit more abrasive and in your face. We have some ingredients here. So how do you throw all of the right ingredients in the pan and come out with a turd souffle? Yeah, they did not make it work, folks. And so it is interesting in that it's also like a little time capsule of like where attitudes were about gay folks in 2000. Will and Grace had been out for two years. And I guess they just wanted to hop on that bandwagon. And so what made one successful? What made one not successful. So let's dig into it. We were, are going to give you a tour of all seven episodes of Normal Ohio. Okay, fine. Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's oh, one, baby. What's it called? So it's called Homecoming Queen. That's the pilot. Um, it's because a queen comes home. Right. That's about the register that the show speaks in. <laughs> Homecoming <laughs> Queen. Set the stage. Who are the principal players, Jessica? So this is very much a, it's a family sitcom and it's very family sitcom in the way that like Fox shows are family sitcoms. It is very non-traditional. So we have our main character, John Goodman. He plays a character called Butch Gamble and Butch is returning home from California to normal Ohio. And he goes and sees his sister, Jolie Fisher. And little fun fact about her, prior to Normal Ohio, her big role was playing Ellen's friend on the sitcom Ellen. 
So I suppose she is forever typecast in the very specific niche of adjacent to a gay character in a sitcom. We (laughs) (laughs) We have, she, Jolie has two kids names i'm not going to know their names i'm looking at their imdb but it's like i'm not going to know the actor's name i'm not going to know the kid's name it's just not going to happen she's got two kids just know she has a boy and a girl and then we meet john goodman's ex-wife so full spoiler alert he was married for 20 years and they really don't get into it at all but he was married for 20 years he has a son who we then also meet. And then we meet the two people who should have never have had kids. We meet John Goodman and Jolie Fisher's parents. And that's our cast of characters. Yeah. So with Homecoming Queen, it's literally just that. Not a whole heck of a lot actually happens. John Goodman rolls up. He has returned after leaving normal to go to Hollywood for four years. He is returning. He is returning for his son. His son graduated from college and is going to go to medical school yeah interesting thing about his son and i'll bring it up a little bit more later is they the writers did not agree on what age this person was supposed to be (laughs) yeah i think they had a lot of there was a lot of creative strife i think about determining when john goodman's character left the family and how long he was gone and like mm-hmm. what ages everybody was at that point in time. Yeah, my theory is that he was originally conceived of as being a teenager because a lot of his lines are teenagery. Yeah, but... the pathos of the show hits better when like John could have hit better if they gave it any pathos. So let me walk that line back. The pathos of the show could have hit better if like John Goodman had left when his child was still a child, but. Based on the timeline they gave us, John Goodman left his family when that child graduated high school. Yeah, which seems very appropriate. Like, I don't know. You're in college, dude, and your dad was gone for four years. (laughs) Yeah, I think you'd be a little more chill about it. Yeah, I... He's not super chill. No one in this show is chill. Yeah, no no one's cool. The sister is probably the best. And it's just because she couldn't give a single fuck about anyone else. Yeah, that's true. Kids included. The sister is very much, it feels like a Jackie character, almost. Um, That's what they were going. That's where they swung. It's if you took Jackie and like Peg Bundy, and that's me clapping. You guys (laughs) probably didn't hear it. But if you took Jackie and Peg Bundy, did a little smish smash of those two, you get the sister character. Right. She's in between uh, different jobs all the time. She does her hair. crazy. Yeah, man crazy. She's always going out on a date. So she's pulling in those storylines. That's her sort of like function. She has two kids. She's a little bit laissez-faire with her kids. It'll be like, you know, allow her kid to take a mattress out into the front lawn to like do evil Knievel stunts, that kind of thing. Just casually take his mattress out. She drew the line at lighting it on fire, though. So mom yeah, of the and- year. Robbie, what are you doing with the mattress? Taking it outside. I set up a ramp and I'm gonna jump it on my bike. All right. Well, at least if you fall, it'll be soft and hot. I'm going to let it on fire. And another like parallel to Roseanne is she does a lot of bonding with John Goodman's character, whose name is Butch, by the way, because there is zero creativity in the show. They did absolutely (laughs) nothing. They did nothing with the concept. Yeah. The entire premise of like why, not why they made this show, but the, I think the idea that sparked behind it and it's, probably what fueled the casting of John Goodman period is I think somewhat it was a little bit of a response to Will and Grace in that I think there was some intention there by the writers and the creators to say like 
there are many ways to be a gay man and like present a gay man on television. So the idea was to be like, what if he is just like a man's man in every way, like a traditionally masculine man in every way, but then also happens to be gay. So you cast against type, right? Instead of the Will or the Jack that you see in Will and Grace, thin, groomed, attractive men, you get you get more of a bear situation. This was such a great opportunity because it's a great concept of a working class answer to Will and Grace is yes. how I would frame it because Will and Grace is just full of like millionaires. All <laughs> of those people are millionaires except I mean, Jack. <laughs> li- like Karen literally. And then Will is also a lawyer. Yeah, Will's a lawyer looking at that apartment, millionaire. Uh, Grace, probably millionaire. Manhattan's expensive, y'all. Yeah, yeah. And then Jack's just a millionaire fucker. (laughs) But yeah, totally like great opportunity to do something with a working class answer to Will Mm -hmm. and Grace, where like, what is the middle America gay? Mm -hmm. Telling the story of the middle America gay. That would be great. Did not happen. Yeah, yeah. What the creators said that they were trying to do. So I saw an interview with them when they Mm -hmm. were doing a road show of the show back when it was called the Untitled John Goodman Project, because they didn't really know what show they were creating. They said the core idea of the show was to divorce the idea of masculinity and sexuality that was their idea which is like fucked up in its own way if you really mm-hmm. want to think about it it's complicated it's a <laughs> it's an interesting tight route tight rope to yes. walk and i don't know yeah and it's so fucking fascinating about how they portray john goodman's character with that in with that idea known because we do see him as if you like nine, 90% of him is just like Dan from Roseanne. He's doing his Dan shit. But then like every once in a while, they'll like have him sing a show tune to remind you he's gay. In such a clumsy way. Yeah. It's like, so clumsy. It's so bad in that sense. They should have just cut that shit. Like if you're going to do a butch character, fine. I might express some discomfort at that framing that's a myopic way of thinking about like gender performance with queer people but try that just get rid of the show tune shit if that's what you're trying to do they have to remind the audience over and over that he's he's still gay in this way yeah, I assume that this was like created with by some like misguided government department that wanted to like teach dementia patients to be more accepting to gay people. It's just, okay, we need to remind the audience every 7.6 seconds that Butch is gay. Otherwise, they're not going to remember. Hello, Uncle Butch. What do you like? Just guys? Oh my God. You've had therapy. No, but I've had a therapist. <laughs> you couldn't just tell him I was gay. We should just face facts. Our son is a trapeze artist. You know, son, if I turned Gazuni and ran off to La La Land to shack up with cute boys, I wouldn't show my face. Thank you for being gay. My pleasure. He thought it would be nice if his father were here to send him on his way. Or in your case, on his merry way. Your sister's dress. Couldn't your people have designed something a little more in vogue? not bad enough our son dances with wolves. Our daughter has to look like a Pop-Tart. They're going to think they're watching Roseanne. They're uh, just going to be keep, they're going to keep wondering when Roseanne's coming out. 
and so that is is so frustrating because they'll just like randomly like and just the most like half-assed lines i wish i could remember one but there's so nothing it'll be like i'm on the way to the grocery store and someone will be like don't make out with the butcher who is the man. <laughs> it's just that every seven seconds that's happening. Yes. And in the like John Goodman, love him to death. Again, he's my birthday 20, my Gemini sister. But whenever he's doing his John Goodman thing, but then whenever they give him like a gay line, he will like them it up they'll give him a gay <laughs> yeah, line yeah, yeah. and he will do the limp wrist like he will gay it up i'm not really gay <laughs> what the only way i could think of to get him off my back are you serious no i'm a big girl <laughs> To be fair, he does that in Roseanne too. Have you noticed? But the bit is different. The bit yeah. is different in Roseanne and it's intentional. And the bit there is it's funny that he is like intentionally giving up his masculinity in that moment. Yeah, it's just he was just pulling the same technique, but the context was different. Yes. So it was weird. Yes. It was like this man also forgets that he's gay sometimes. <laughs> so... <laughs> No, and um, they, like, yeah, they don't have him like reconcile with the fact that he did marry and sleep with a woman for like 20 years and like the confusing journey of navigating his sexuality, the pain he caused for everyone. Nope, we're not discussing it. So ostensibly, we are introducing the players right now. So <laughs> I, I guess what we just did is we introduced Butch. So we also, in the pilot, are introduced to the parents who are just garbage. They're the worst sitcom characters I've ever seen on my screen. They didn't know what they wanted to do with these people. Is this about them gaining acceptance? That would be the obvious move. But or are they there to be hated? Not. It's yeah. like the, no one has an arc. No one has an arc. Was there a planned arc? We'll never know. But no one has an arc in the seven episodes that are out there. Yeah, to be fair, with sitcoms, they're pretty slow with their character arcs. They didn't get a lot of like runtime. Like, <laughs> but like usually the pilot tells you. Like where things are headed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You watch the Cheers pilot. Sam and Diane are about to have a thing right you watch the normal ohio pilot okay so then what i would say that here? in the pilot in the pilot they are introducing that it is going to be about the son the estranged son like eventually gaining comfort with his father okay because so at first let's run it through let's run through the pilot okay john goodman returns i refuse to call him butch john goodman returns hello normal ohio and he is returning because his son has graduated college and everybody is a little bit tepid about it, except his sister, who's cool. His sister's the <laughs> only one that's chill about the gay thing. She'll still roast him, but it, she's chill about it. She's just helping the patients in the audience remember. <laughs> she's just reminding people uh, the premise of the show. Yes. Yeah, ba basically. Yes. So we're also introduced to the ex-wife who he left. She is a stern like marm who's still bitter about this there's you're married to a man for 20 years and then i'd be bitter yeah. too to be fully honest with you she's Rightly the only one bitter. that i feel has license to give butch some degree of shit literally yes i yeah. like that's a real trauma 
that existed mm-hmm. in her life. There's so much that I want to like of all of the characters to dig into and be interested in. I'm actually most interested in the ex-wife and the new husband because what are they trying to tell us with this new husband that she has? I don't get it. I actually have written down here a theory for one of the episodes, but I'll just skip to it. I think he only exists. His only function in the universe is to give a reason that Butch is still in her life and therefore she is on the show. Yeah. <sighs> because his personality is that he's this really nice guy. He's, he's, like he's basically like Ned Flanders. Like yeah. He yeah, kind of yeah. just married Ned Flanders, but it's very, it's so where it gets interesting to me. So we know this woman married a gay man and was with him for 20 years. The new guy that she married, they clearly also display for us that like he takes like the submissive role in their marriage. Yeah. And and she is like the louder character of the two. She is the sterner character. She exhibits more of the masculine traits. And I just, it fucked me up because I'm just wondering what, would they have tried to say about this or what were they trying to do with this and how intentional was it yeah so she is more she's more dom she's the top i don't think it's normally like the media stereotype of the woman who accidentally marries a gay man that's normally i don't know like your broadway barbara is the one that does that (laughs) your sunset boulevard type she's marrying yeah the elizabeth taylors of the world and to cover it up, they forced me to marry a chimp. Turns out, okay, the chimp was homosexual. So we lived a very peaceful life together, best of friends. But then the little baboon ran off with my brooches. Yeah, that's not the direction they go. She is, would you say she's lesbian coded in a way? Or is that going too far? Ish. So I think on the- It like, might just be the haircut, and but I have 2023 eyes. Yeah, yeah. I clocked that she had a like a we'll call it a short haircut. Like there are two ways to read it. I think one is that one way to read that what they've set up here is like the universe is giving her a consolation prize. Here you had this shitty thing happen to you, so we are going to give you the perfect husband Uh, in this next go round, which I think is the sweet and optimistic way to look at it. And the other way to look at it is like, this is like that she only dates and marries gay men. Oh, I don't think he, I see what you're getting at now. I don't, he didn't seem, if anything, he's like comedically straight. I got your pants. Oh, great. My corduroys. <laughs> he was like very excited for the opportunity for the grown ass son to be out of the house so that they could bang it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fucks her enthusiastically. Uh, she, she has the, I think it's just like, a little bit of what you were saying before she's she had this terrible thing happen to her and her life was disrupted and i think it would be very unkind and mean-spirited to have her thing be that she has a unhappy shattered life and that she's super bitter so she has like a pretty happy life that's true it would be Um, way too much time to devote to unpacking the emotional turmoil especially when they want us to feel nothing but empathy for butch so yeah, I think. Do they though? Do they though? I don't think they want us to feel empathy for anyone in the show. Really? Whose side is, are we ever supposed to be on? This is a world without any heroes is the thing. So a few things I wanted to, to call out in the pilot. Here are some of the jokes. One, 
John Goodman's son says to his actual mother, he says, hi, mom. And then he sees John Goodman for the first time in four years. And he says, hi, mom. Hi, mom. Hi, honey. And mom. (laughs) Just reminding you that he's gay. And then I also wanted to count how many times they said gay in the first episode to remind us that John Goodman is gay. I I couldn't bring myself to watch it again, but I'm assuming it's probably around 7,000. And this is a show that's incredibly mean-spirited. It refuses to earn any moments of heart that it has. And there's absolutely no real POV character here because it's too much to ask the audience to look at things through the perspective of Butch, the gay character. So it hedges it all the way through and there is no one whose perspective you're following. That is, that's actually a huge observation about, thank you, there is no POV character and that makes the show very alienating and weird to watch. Like you're just watching ants. Like in their little like glass case. Exactly. There's no way they were going to say you like, let's look at this through the eyes of Butch. Right. Yeah. And so you get nothing. Yeah. So this is a working class family. And there are a couple plot lines about like struggling with money. And so Butch is going through like this hard time with like his family. Roseanne, of course, the characters in that show went through a lot. And aesthetically, this show is very similar to Roseanne. Yeah, I mean, the floor plan of the main set, which is the sister's house, looks identical to the floor plan of Roseanne. Yeah, but Roseanne always took the time to, as they put the characters through these things, they would, like, give time to, like, show this was impacting the characters in a way. So they're putting Butch through the ringer, and then they are giving it no time. At no time are his feelings genuinely addressed in any way. He is being insulted, degraded, humiliated in all these different ways, and never once are we given pause to, like, what Butch is going through, because he's not the main character. Nope. None of these characters are really given any time to explore anything. Yeah, no, there is no main character. And and yes, maybe this is because it only lasted seven episodes. Perhaps they would have done more. But no, I really don't believe so. I believe that they had no idea how they were going to explore that. Yeah, Butch, as presented, is just a Buddhist monk who just cheerfully smiles through all of the disrespect that he receives. Yeah, like um, in some play, in some instances, like very literally, like to his yeah. face, and he's the one who's like, "Hey, it's chill." If you can't tolerate being almost hate crimed, then you just can't go out of the house as a gay person. Oh yeah, yeah, we need to unpack that football game. Yeah, but uh, do you have any other Aaron observations about the pilot? No. Okay, so Jessica, what happens in episode two? Walk me through it. Yeah, so episode two, for some reason, they're all looking through the dad slash grandfather. I don't know how we want to refer to him. Looking through his shit and they find a letter and they assume going into it that this is a love letter that the mom sent the dad during the Korean War. Dear Bill. Miss you very, very much. Oh, it's a love letter from mom. Yeah, that's got to be 50 years old. You so handsome and make me feel so pretty. <laughs> when you army come back to my village, I can love you again. Grandma lived in a village? Uh-huh. Yes. Her English was terrible. You too, out. Oh, come on. I want to hear about Grandpa's Korean plaything. Grandpa didn't have a Korean plaything. Signed your little lychee nut, Min Kwok. So as he served in the Korean War, 
And as they read it, they realize it's written in comically broken English. Yeah, like full on Breakfast at Tiffany's racist shit. Which they do not let up on for the whole episode. To uproarious applause by like the canned audience. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they learn that this was a letter from a woman that the father character cheated on the mother character with back during the Korean War. And John Goodman insists that the his father must tell his mother about this infidelity. And we learned that surprise, shocking twist, that the mother actually at one point cheated on the father. You don't learn anything about it besides that it happened. You don't learn why. You don't learn when. You don't learn with who. You don't learn about how she's felt about it for all of these years. You just know it happened. And at the end, they decide to reconcile. And the father never tells the mother, citing... I know you two think I'm the worst guy in the world, and I admit I'm not perfect, but in your mother's eyes, I am. And I don't want to ruin that for her. I know I'm not perfect, but in your mother's eyes, I am. And I don't want to ruin that for her. So fucking dark. Because one important thing to underline here is, so he, the dad is found out by his family, not his wife that he did this affair and they tell you you have to tell mom you have to tell your wife and so he goes to do it and then it comes out a normal sitcom misunderstanding where he doesn't actually say what's about to happen uh he's like listen there's this affair we got to talk about and she confesses because she misunderstands and he gets angry furious and he like storms off and he te- he he tries to kick that woman out of their home ah, after we already knew he cheated. Yeah, like he was there to confess and he tries to kick her out and no growth, no nothing. They also have the famous Seinfeld rule, no hugging, no learning, but it's much darker when they do it. It's much darker <laughs> when they do it. And at least Seinfeld has a fucking joke. Yeah, yeah. So this is just like a dark drama <laughs> with a laugh track. And so the fucking hellish line, your mother thinks I'm perfect and I don't want to ruin that for her. It's clear that we're supposed to see that as a sweet something. I like think a we're bitter, supposed like to a see it as sweet. Yeah. I don't even think bitter. I think it's meant in sitcom world to be like the sappy, sweet resolution moment. And it's so fucked. Yeah. So this is where we learn also that the father did war crimes because there is uh, this line of Terrible dialogue. joke. Terrible joke. <laughs> Son of a bitch, I thought I burned that. Well, we found it, so I guess you didn't. I'm at the village. So Deliver the it. breakfast at Tiffany's letter there, the kids are reading it and they're like, hey, dad, we found this letter of your former lover in Korea. And he says, I thought I burnt that. And then Butch says the letter. And he says, no, that village. I thought I just killed that woman. Actually, why would I have a letter from her? I thought I burned her alive with the rest of her family. Yeah, I can't believe I, I'm going to have to suffer consequences because of this, because I, I failed to burn that village. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's not even remotely funny. The episode is just, and it's bizarre because you know what this episode is trying to do It's trying to is trying to say that, OK, the father 
is the one who has by far the biggest problem with John Goodman's character's sexuality. Mm-hmm. Every single opportunity that he has to bring it up, he does. And he is very vocal about it. And so I think what this episode is trying to do is say like, oh, you think I'm so immoral, like John Goodman's character is. You think John Goodman's character is so immoral, but how can you sit on that high horse when you're there cheating on your wife? And that is what this episode is trying to do, as if the two things can be equated, as if there is a moral failing to homosexuality. Yeah, very much of the era. So um, of the era. Because like in the gay marriage debate, this was like a common line of rhetoric. Uh, I think it was like the middle ground. Like I'm also a Christian, but we all sin kind of argument. Super fun to to hear somebody who is ostensibly on your side say that you are the moral equivalent of an adulterer or a thief, but just because you're gay. <laughs> yeah we're all sinners that's where this is going yes with... yeah i very much think it was the woke opinion of the time it was very much like the west wing take on it of <laughs> just who are you to judge you also do this hypocritical thing it's i get where you're coming from friend but not the take you think it is yeah no it, exactly this and this is also where it's established that like the father is like an irredeemable piece of shit and and, you know that's not necessarily a bad thing the roseanne's mother in roseanne was i love the character but she is like an irredeemable piece of shit like she she is a fairly awful person but they gave you ways to like the character yeah bill is bringing nothing to the table so i in fact it's an interesting using roseanne as the or roseanne's mother as the comparison there So you know who I think he has a lot of shades in common with and who I think they probably pulled from a little bit in in creating the character? Dad from Frasier. No, actually. Peter Boyle from Everybody Loves Raymond. Frank from Everybody Loves Raymond. I think they pulled a lot of that. And one of my questions to you that I'm curious in getting your thoughts on is what made Peter Boyle's character Frank and Everybody Loves Raymond work and why didn't it work for the dad in normal Ohio? The universe of everybody loves Raymond routinely punishes Frank and, and shits on him. <laughs> um, Frank has no power. And so it, the things that he says hit better. Like there's no, Frank could say, get out, Murray, but that wouldn't happen. Like nobody would take that seriously. Yeah. Marie's not going anywhere. He in She's the second episode is introduced he has the money in the family the sister tries to get a loan from him like he tries to kick out his wife he has power and therefore it's more uncomfortable frank has an evil dark soul but he is impotent and i don't even think frank does have an evil arc so there's obviously he would be canceled but there are a lot of heartwarming things that frank does occasionally but you don't get that with bill yeah i agree frank does some low-key sweet things from time to time He's funny. Frank jokes yeah, actually. The quality of land. the writing also makes it. <laughs> <laughs> like Frank has a joke that I will laugh at sometimes. Even though I think when you strip it down to the core, Frank's character and this guy would be friends. They would, yeah. They would I mean, be at the I'm lodge sure together. Has, there probably are lines where Frank was homophobic and the yeah, exact there's same an entire way. episode. There's an entire which we should we should do a whole episode on it because it was great. But there's a whole episode where the twins are playing fairies in a play. Mm-hmm. And Frank is 
outraged uh, that they would be playing fairies and is just blatantly homophobic, which good on Marie because she is here to save the day. And then in the following episode, Marie outright says that she tried to raise Raymond to be a quote unquote sensitive boy. It's beautiful. Marie is the ally that everybody needs. Marie is the ally that everybody <laughs> asked for, except for Deborah. Um, yeah, she can get fucked. Deborah can get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> There but, is no D in LGBTQ. <laughs> but yeah, and I think that's also what made like everybody loves Raymond work is that like all of the characters had a variety of opinions on any different issue. Yeah. In normal Ohio, we very rarely see John Goodman expressing his opinion because I think, and especially you go look at any like any episode with John Goodman and Roseanne, his character's whole thing is that he's like an affable guy. And, like, very rarely does he, like, put his foot down on anything. And the show's never from his point of view. And mm-hmm. I think some of this carries over into normal Ohio. So it's so rare that, like, John Goodman's character has any type of point of view, any type of opinion. And then literally everybody else has the same opinions about everything besides the sister character who like is really only interested in like whatever her thing is that week. This is very much like the introduction into the dad character and it never gets any better. I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. Like he's essentially Frank by a worse writer. Yeah, in, exactly. In Imagine ways. an unfunny Frank. So this is like a dude with who more be, power. Exactly. A dude who would be friends with Frank who has any power and like people listen to him in yeah. his life. And because he has money, therefore people have to tolerate him because they need him. They need his money. That's it. That's the whole dad character. Often when like the unaccepting parents are presented on television, like the dad will be a hard ass and then the mother will be like do like societal norms she won't speak up on behalf of the kid but she will have more tolerant and accepting opinions is that what we see in episode three dude (laughs) so okay so episode three was the only episode that i thought actually like could have been redeemable and could have been made into a good episode they were so close they were so close it was right on the line it's a better pilot than the pilot totally agree like they had like great symbolism all teed up that yeah. they botched a little bit, but it was there. All the pieces were there. All the pieces were there and it was so close. So no, we do not see an accepting mother. So what we see in episode three is the mother character's birthday. But it turns out her birthdays are very traumatic for her because the, her birthday is the day on which four years ago, John Goodman's character came out at her birthday party. And first of all, why is a grown woman treating her birthday like this like she's acting like her birthday is a sacred date upon which no none can tread how dare you come out on my birthday what are you mariah carey this is just something that i have learned as an adult is like from family to family what's happening on the birthdays and like the attitudes towards birthdays it varies wildly and people who Birthdays are not a big deal. I think it's fucking weird with other people. I love taking the opportunity to be like, I'm special. Like, I I fucking love it and will use my birthday for that. But the the extent of which to be like, how, like, how dare you unburden yourself on my birthday is crackers. My sister has a birthday month. 
So I'm definitely in the normal Ohio world. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that aside, right? The mother goes into an annual period of mourning around her birthday where she becomes bedridden and refuses to take guests, do anything, see anything. Of course, the father character is alarmed by this because he has no clean clothing and hasn't eaten a decent meal because the mother character has resigned herself to the bed and he's an infant. That's on him. He should have made her like prepare an extra meal that he could heat up. No, he's never going to do that mental load. Yeah, she needs to put in her diary. I go into depression yeah. on my birthday, so I have to freeze something for Bill. Yeah, he's never <laughs> going to do that mental labor. Are you kidding me? Get out of yeah. here. She goes into like this catatonic state. And so John Goodman's character says, because it's somehow my responsibility for ruining her life by being gay, I will they fix all- it. Every character, see, there seems to be a consensus that he ruined her birthday. Every character says Which this. Was, there's only never one person whose life was ever tangibly impacted or hurt in any real way. And it is the ex-wife character. It is not the mother who had one bad birthday. Oh, we also have to explain the videotape. Yes. Okay. So inexplicably, they, they go to lengths to explicate. it. They go to lengths to explain why it is videotaped. I guess like the John Goodman's nephew likes to tape things. We never see it happen again, but he likes to tape things in this episode. Yeah. And so he taped the grandmother's birthday. And at the grandmother's birthday, we see the taped coming out of John Goodman's character, which why they gave him a goatee and like a terrible dye job in the coming out video beyond understanding he looked gayer there it so to be fair in defense of that aspect of it it can often be baffling to figure out what is going to help <laughs> you pass as straight and so because <laughs> because straight men are somehow like such a fucking mystery so like in high school my thing was that i wore like heavy clunky ass steel toe boots i wore nothing else people could hear me coming from half a mile away Uh, did not help me all my everybody in the theater department always would panic when i was walking because they couldn't tell if it was me coming or my theater teacher in high heels (laughs) (laughs) because of the footsteps Um, i mean that that tells more than anything that was my goatee and that job is what i'm saying yeah and then she took you to help her pick out a bra This is going to be like the me too of her. (laughs) Zach's theater teacher was buck wild. I didn't even go to this high school and I know this woman. She wanted to have an affair with the students so bad it hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this will be in a court case someday. Uh, Moving on. So it's all taped. The coming out moment is taped. The moment at which this mother character's life was torn asunder forever, which she can never recover. Her son saying, I'm gay just did it for her and she's bedridden and john goodman says no more i will fix the problem i caused by being gay and i will get her out of bed we are throwing her a surprise party and they just treat him like shit for most of the episode john goodman that is when all he's trying to do is give his mother a nice time and he gets his mother out of bed 
only for his car to break down on the way there. And then they are helped by bikery looking men. They go to a local biker bar, which turns out to be a gayish bar. They don't go so far as to make it a gay bar, but like it's a certainly like gay friendly. It's a safe space. It's a very welcoming biker bar. Let's put it that way. And somehow the other characters then end up showing up there too. But John Goodman and his mother are able to have some moments together to sort of connect and feel a little bit better. And it, it sort of ends with her destroying the tape. Yeah. A great symbolism. That, that it could have been. does nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, oh, if they undo it in like literally the next episode. It was so close to being good. Like, so they set up the idea that this tape is like a meme within the community because it's so funny. Even though nothing funny happens. Nothing not, funny happens. It, it would be, there are like plenty. It's in fact, extraordinary trauma. Well, Robbie, could you shut that thing off? Okay, it's off. I'm gay. No, you're not. Yes, I am, Mother. I'm gay. I'm a homosexual. That means I like men. No. Son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah, this show is not afraid of just, like, doing the most cliched, like, rote jokes ever. I don't know why they didn't bother to just steal the joke about pretending you have cancer and then being like, relax, I'm just gay. I have to admit... Marshall did go about it the wrong way. He marched him. And without so much as a hello, he said, Mom and Daddy, I have something to tell you. I have a brain tumor. I have three months to live. Well, naturally, Drew and Bell became hysterical. Then he said, Hey, folks, I'm only kidding. I'm just gay. That was his idea of breaking the news gently? Marshall was always very theatrical. They've stolen every other like tired yeah. ass joke. So yeah. just steal that. All they all that happened on that tape was mom, I'm gay. Ooh! And she freaks out. Yeah, they did the relax. I have cancer. Relax. I'm just gay. It wouldn't have worked because the father repeatedly just says he wishes his son were dead. Wouldn't that, have worked. Like, I actually like having cancer would be better. I wish you dead. Yeah, that's but... what we're working with. Just so you're aware. But they try to sell this idea that this tape is hilarious. Like all the family members make take tapes of it and the kids want to watch it every year because it's so funny. Let's watch one of the hardest moments of your life. I, th I imagine the worst and hardest was telling his wife. But let's watch the second worst and hardest moment yeah. of your life. And Jesus. And so the mom like destroys this tape. And like the boy who her grandson who loves filming temporarily this is the last day he will ever film anything he like films her destroying the tape and so it's like we are letting go of this trauma we are letting go of this hang-up that you have and we are building a future that could have been so great if it was put in the hands of a competent writer like, it's like it's, these are competent writers like yeah. they've written excellent sitcoms I just think they didn't give a shit about this one. They Their heart was not in it. It's clear that they had all the pieces together. And it's very... I, it, I, I think... Sorry, I'll let you finish your thought. Go ahead. I do not think that the idea of a mother 
like from her time having a hard time processing that her son is gay is like irredeemable that is that's an interesting character there have been like movies and books written about that process the book far from the tree by andrew solomon i know a bunch of like therapists recommend it for like their queer patients this is what we hear when you pray for a cure that your fondest wish for us is that someday we will cease to be and strangers you can love will move in behind our faces. And when his ashes were interred, his mother said, I pray here to, uh, for forgiveness for having been twice robbed, once of the child I wanted and once of the son I loved. And I figured it was possible then for anyone to love any child if they had the effective will to do so. But um, it, it, it goes through like this sort of when your child is not what you expect them to be in terms of being trans, being queer, mm -hmm. or any identity, there is like this grieving process of the death of the child that you thought you had, and you have to let go of that and then learn to love the child that you do have mm -hmm. that that's such like a re rich vein to tell an interesting story and it could very well be done within yeah. the context of a sitcom and this could have been the start of something beautiful uh mm -hmm. so this is probably the high point high point i would say of the entire easily series. this is by yeah. far the best episode like i said it's a better pilot than the pilot it introduces every single thing you need to know and every single character that you need to know in the series if i had watched this i would have exactly thought that the arc was what you said zach was like him learning to find acceptance um yeah. it doesn't happen and i guess the only good thing coming out of it is the dad character at one point says shut your gay mouth and i love that <laughs> shut your gay mouth hey there's <laughs> <laughs> that classic writing that we all know and love about normal ohio <laughs> shut your gay mouth did you have any other observations about episode three no so we'll move on to we'll a Thanksgiving episode, episode four, yes. where we learn that this family, they all need to do what Butch did. And they all just need to like disperse. Yeah. None of them need any of the other ones. So first of all, there's plenty of sociopathic behavior on display in this episode. Oh, by everybody. There are no heroes. There are no heroes. It, everyone's a sociopath. So basically what happens here is John Goodman's character decides it's important to spend Thanksgiving together, even though nobody wants to. Nobody's mm -hmm. interested in spending Thanksgiving together. Because everybody it, in this family sucks. But here's the thing. If nobody wants to spend Thanksgiving together, do not fucking force Thanksgiving because Thanksgiving is a shitload of work and it's a stress for everyone. So if Amen. nobody's buying a ticket, don't make it happen. But he says, yes, I should do this. And you know what else I should do is fucking invite my ex-wife because that's what she wants is to come join her ex-husband who traumatized her and his shitty family who she is she had to tolerate the, for 20 years it was probably the only good part of getting a divorce from john goodman is she was like at least i never have to talk to his piece of shit father again and then <laughs> for whatever reason her new husband is like i fucking love this idea sign me up and so they decide to go and do this thanksgiving uh, so 
I want to emphasize this part. You've already summarized it, but I want to drill in on this fact because this is what drove me crazy. The opener of this is John Goodman rolls up and he's like, hey, sis, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? What are we doing for Thanksgiving? And she's like, um, I don't know if you've noticed her family sucks. So I have a date. The kids are going to go see a movie and that's it. We don't do Thanksgiving because fuck our family. And and John Goodman is like, I abandoned my life in L.A. to come here. So we're having a fucking Thanksgiving. And yeah. so he makes his sister, he like guilts his sister into making a Thanksgiving dinner. And she goes balls to the wall. She makes cheese balls. She makes uh, like a pumpkin souffle. Uh, she, she does. She has a fucking all of it. So and as then, she's cooking all of this, what is a John? And then mid cooking. John Goodman's son comes in and he's like, actually, I got football tickets to football game. And John Goodman's like, I love football game. Let's go to football game instead of Thanksgiving dinner. And he fucking deuces out yeah. on that dinner. The Thanksgiving dinner is only happening because he asked for it to happen. And his sister obliged him. And okay. he promises her, I'll be back uh, for dinner. Sure. He's not nope. back by dinner. Nope, he's not back by dinner, of course, because we live in sitcom hell where nobody is back when they say they're going to be back. And so she has to deal with the family alone who hate everything that they've done for her and they fucking leave before dinner is even done. I felt this so hard. So um, I am no longer a young adult. I'm 32 years old and <laughs> the responsibility of making holiday meals falls on me now. Like, same i am the holiday woman i yeah we are the holiday makers we are the magic makers we are the magic makers <laughs> yes so i thanksgiving and christmas are fucking hell for me because i wake up at fucking 8 a.m and i'm cooking all day even uh, earlier like i put a prime rib in for christmas and i woke up at 2 30 in the morning to put the prime rib in the sous vide Jesus Christ. <laughs> I And you cook all day and your feet hurt and it's so hot. The kitchen yeah, feet is hurt. so hot. You have, I can barely get anybody to like wash some fucking dishes so that there's not like a blockage situation. And so I felt so hard. If I had watched this at any other point in my life, I would not have understood the cardinal sin of disrespecting the magic maker. <laughs> and she took this man in she, off yeah. of the street and obliged his his fantastical whim. Gave up her date for what? She made a pumpkin souffle. Nobody asked her to do that. She was just like, and he's like, fuck it. Football. Bye. <laughs> Promise I'll be at back. The stadium. Goodbye. And the so worst. The at the football worst. game. So at the football game, we do once again just barely scrape by, like we're in the same zip code as having a point for the show to exist, where th there's like this incident with uh, John Goodman and his son, where they're watching the football game and this homophobe is like heckling the ref or the player. They're doing the football bad. And, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you're doing the football bad, pansy. And uh, just doing like homophobic slurs and that kind of thing, but like sitcom homophobic slurs. Yeah. I, since when was you're a big mo? A, a big a mo. Slur. I've never heard this before. 
Your twinkle toes, been, McGee. Has been, have you ever been called a mo? Is never heard of that. I've never heard this, but the the guy is, you're a big mo. <laughs> what? I'm, I'm sure it is what? a thing, but I like to think that the sitcom writer just invented it. Like Who on principle, he refused to use a real slur, so he just made up his own. So yeah, he's just yelling up made up slurs and we see John Goodman be pretty chill with it. Yeah, I don't know if he's chill with it because the body language is that he is uncomfortable with it. Yeah, fair. The son is hearing it and he is upset. And this is such an interesting setup for somebody that this middle class white boy that's never really dealt with any kind of like this situation. Suddenly having to reckon with the fact that his dad is being like disrespected in this way yes and so the son like stands up like he he confronts the guy yeah and then they have this back and forth and then the son like announces yeah i'm offended because my dad is gay and that is when john goodman stands up and like wants to go and like step out uh because he's just like been outed well he just got outed in front of an entire football stadium yeah, Maybe not so the most he, friendly place, unless it happens to be hosting a Lady Gaga concert. Yeah, and there are many times in this series where John Goodman expresses that he feels unsafe, and it's always just plowed right past instead yeah. of having kind of empathy. He felt unsafe at that bar being outed, but he was outed anyways. And so yeah. again, he's Thankfully, outed. Thankfully, it was a lovely safe leave. space. The, the football so, game, not so much. And what a rich story to to investigate, like this sort of his son has to understand maybe why a gay man in Ohio would have to pick his battles. And like, how does a gay man have to navigate spaces and choose when like, yeah. is he going to spend his entire life confronting yeah. all of this? Zach, I hear you on that, but we have to get back to Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. So, so that's just dropped. <laughs> let's go ahead and just we're going to motor past that. And it's time to eat again. Yeah, but can we talk about how crazy it is that they just opened that and then <laughs> left it? And it's just so much to sit and explore there. Son understanding why he wanted to do that and then like why John Goodman reacted the way he reacted. There could and have this- been so much empathy. But like the button that we leave it on is like the son realizing like, that's the first time I said you were gay in public. Wow. Yeah, and the son gets mad at the dad. <laughs> it, yeah, he gets mad at John Goodman for not standing up for himself is the crazy thing. And they never resolve that. It's Yeah, and ludicrous. it's framed as like John Goodman was maybe being unmanly. Never explored. We just leave that. Yep, we're just going to go ahead and drop that as a hot potato. And we're going to do the most sociopathic thing I have. Like, you guys know, dear listeners, that. Zach and I believe sitcoms are hell. Sitcoms, sitcoms are, hell. are a place where the rules of society don't exist. You can do insane things like just walk into your friend's apartment at any day, at any time, and just eat their food and talk shit on them to their face. Right? This is the world in which sitcoms exist. And yet, somehow, what happens next in this episode of Normal Ohio may be the most sociopathic behavior I have ever seen on a sitcom. What happens is after the football game, John Goodman returns home and realizes, oh shit, my sister went through a lot of work and I was an asshole. 
And now she wants to go on a date. And hold on, I didn't get to have my Thanksgiving with my family that I wanted. And my sister went through a lot of work. So actually, what I'm going to do is everybody went off and did the thing that they actually wanted to do on Thanksgiving. I'm going to go ahead and interrupt that bullshit for my bullshit. And I'm going to collect all of these people who repeatedly said that they did not want to do Thanksgiving. They tried it. It didn't work out. I'm going to get them again. I'm going to get them again. I'm going to go get my parents from the movie theater along with my niece and nephew, collect them, put them in a van, grab my son, and roll up on my (laughs) ex-wife and insist at 10 p.m. on Thanksgiving that she host my family in her house while she is in her pajamas eating popcorn and say, now we're having Thanksgiving, bitch. You open the door. You let me in. We are going to eat this Thanksgiving meal in this Tupperware and we are going to fucking toast and we are going to have Thanksgiving because I'm a fucking sociopath. (laughs) You can't escape. It's I rewinded. I actually rewatched about half of this episode because I needed to know why did we show up at her house? Why didn't we just there go back to the sister's no house? No reason you could have collected the son and gone back to the sister's house. The food no. was already there. She had the no. table set. She <laughs> never wanted to host this. She didn't want to go to this fucking Thanksgiving. She never wants to see these people again in her life. And here <laughs> comes the biggest trauma of her entire life barging into her living room as she's sitting in her jammies on the couch, experiencing the only real bliss we have as adults, which is doing fucking nothing in your pajamas (laughs) on the couch. And here are the worst people in her life to ruin it. (laughs) This is why I wrote down that I think Danny only exists. Danny is her husband. He only exists to justify why these people have anything to do with her (laughs) because danny is the one that's always yeah guys come on in hey butch yeah i could do some pumpkin souffle it's buck wild it's fucked up it makes no sense and yet here we are it's a why that's the wild one I'm speechless. I cannot even imagine the rage that I would feel if like we were like, okay, we all agree we're done with this. Okay, I'm going home. I'm doing my own thing. I am now in my own space, in my own time. Hell, maybe I got my face washed, right? I got my face mask on. I'm on the couch. I'm doing my thing. I got my little treat. And then in barges my entire extended family that i am divorced from there is a version of the show again where this is fucking hilarious where her character is like iconic because they actually acknowledge how fucked up this would be yeah there's a version of it where like they're like in her like driveway and they have to fucking eat the meal in her driveway or something yeah or just like it does happen like a version of this where it does happen because of Danny. Basically, how I would have written this is to acknowledge how fucked up it is. And for her to just be this Job-like figure where <laughs> her ex's family is constantly intruding in her life. Like, I would have played up the scene where she's, like, watching TV and just had her, like, drinking wine, like, candles. Oh, a night alone. I have the day off. And then, like, there's a bubble bath upstairs and then, like her whole family just comes rushing in <laughs> like a clown troop 
That's yeah. how I would have done it. No, the, uh, I felt true rage at this episode. They don't acknowledge wild. it. They're just like, oh, what an inconvenience. All right, let's go. Now on to what, because for some reason, it, it they want to make us think that it matters to have Thanksgiving dinner together as a family. You got to have your ex-wife. <laughs> well, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> if we're not together, what are we? Who are we? <laughs> when you get married, you know, you can give up your vows. You don't have to live together. But on Thanksgiving, you need, need to be to... together. The only other observation I wanted to make about this episode is it's throwaway-ish line at the beginning of the episode that I think gives us maybe the slightest indication of why Butch came back. And I think it's interesting because he says, me and Tom Turkey, he has this turkey that he keeps calling Tom, have spent the last four Thanksgivings alone. We always used to have Thanksgiving together. And everybody got drunk and ended up saying things they meant. Tom and I have been alone for the last four Thanksgivings. Of course, this family's dead, but mine isn't. And what I think is interesting about that is like, we know that a huge part of queer culture and queer identity is building and having a community that is often found and built outside of the familial structure into which you are born. And for many people, it's a core and integral part of their experience. And here we have Butch. And I think it's an interesting way of looking at or thinking about somebody for whom that found family never materialized. And what does that do? Yeah. Realistically, the idea that a man in his 40s, upper 40s, like 300 pounds, working class, moving to Hollywood, probably can only afford like a shitty apartment, but moving there in order to find the gay community is going to have a cold ass reckoning with mm-hmm. toxic aspects of the queer community. I think that their like headcanon is Hollywood was not the Oz that he thought it was going to be like. Right. Which in and of itself is such a much more interesting show <laughs> or even exploring that at all and yeah, talking would... about it with his family. Honestly, that would be an amazing sitcom premise of a normal ass gay, like not a Will and Grace gay, just like a working class dude moving to Ohio and trying to find the queer community. That would be such a good show. Netflix make it. (laughs) Yeah, it really could be something interesting or even just like talking about for John Goodman, like how that dream died for him. And so now he's left. Now he's left with nothing like the gay community in LA rejected him. The conservative community in Ohio rejects him. And so what, who is he and what is he trying to build without any of that? And believe it or not, folks, I think you can do that in a sitcom and I think it would work. But I think it's just like the refusal to humanize John Goodman's character in any way stands in front of their ability to make this a workable show. They just didn't do anything beyond the initial premise. None of these characters have an internal life. There's not a lot going on. I like John Goodman. I get he's his character like mm-hmm. he has been rejected by the community. So he's like trying to make it work in normal Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Where do you think this like lack of humanity in these characters comes from? Because these creators and these writers have a track record of being able to do it. Yeah. 
that 70s show these characters are very human Mm -hmm. third rock from the sun is about aliens and that shows way more fucking human than this one so like what do you think is going on where is this coming from i have one theory but i want to hear yours this was a show that was first of all it wasn't the initial premise of the show and so it was switched and so what was the initial one again it, so the initial premise of the show was that it was going to be sort of an odd couple set up where John Goodman's character was going to be with like a straight college roommate. Yeah. Um, and it was going to take place in like Hollywood. So it wasn't going to have as much of centering the family in it. And I think maybe midstream the concept was switched. And so it was a little half-baked. I mm-hmm. would need to know more about the timeline of when it was switched. Yeah. I don't know about, a lot about that. Um, yeah. But... This was also an election year where gay marriage was a big thing. And I think that there are often like stunt television shows where, especially on like on election years, there are often like some stunt television shows. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like political animals with Sigourney Weaver. Um, They're just these sort of like half-baked reference. Yeah, what deep cut. But every year there's that kind of thing. Every election cycle. And it's just cashing in on the election cycle. And so I think that maybe it was moved away from the premise to cash in on that. But it was an unnatural fit for the writers. And they they did not have a very well-developed idea of who these characters were. Yes, I think that the shuffle, the the shuffling around of what the show actually was Definitely had something to do with it. The other thought that I have, the other theory I have, is that it's important to remember that this show was a Fox property. And Fox has a very special relationship with the family sitcom. And Fox made its name by being the anti-network. And so the first big shows to come out of Fox were The Simpsons and Married with Children, where they took the tropes of the happy family and they inverted them and they turned them on their head. And these characters were were a little bit more dysfunctional, dysfunctional. And especially when you get into married with children, a lot meaner, lacked, like they, they don't necessarily have heart like you see in other sitcoms and they're very rough with each other. And what's interesting about Fox as a network is around 1997, 1998, all of their sort of mainstay shows that were really big at the time are done. Married with Children is done. The Simpsons obviously was still going on, so take that one away. But Married with Children was over. Martin was over, right? These shows that were big banner shows for them that defined them as a network. And so up until about that 70s show and Malcolm in the Middle when those two really took hold and it was able to rebrand, Fox was going through an identity crisis at that period of time and trying to look and figure out what it was going to be. And so I think what you see in this show is people who are not necessarily used to writing in the Fox style, especially like Carsey Werner Production Company. They're like of the 80s schmaltz generation trying to fit that into the Fox ethos of the anti-family sitcom and trying to make that work and not really figuring out why a sitcom like Married with Children did work. And then they're just trying to apply the mechanics without anything else. It's producer brain, right? Yeah. Of, oh, mean family, mean family, 
big mean family good okay mean family without understanding like the satire that underpinned married with children and the simpsons and so i think you get a show that is intentionally lacking heart and is intentionally mean thinking it's making a point because it's trying to figure out where it sits within fox and fox is trying to figure out its own identity post married with children yeah i there is this sort of like i don't know genre uh trope within sitcoms i think i agree with everything that you said there's also this this trope within sitcoms of like dysfunctional family um but like we're messed up but at the end of the day you know we're, we're family and that's what matters that kind of thing it's like the Chuck and Stacy thing, but with family. <laughs> the yeah. our patented Chuck and Stacy syndrome. Yeah, uh, two people who have no reason to be together, but are together by necessity of sitcom. Yeah, and, this can make a yeah. lot more sense if your formula is like a family with children. If it's a family with children, which is normally where you see this trope, it makes sense on some level because you don't want to disrupt the kids' lives and it generally, there's momentum to it. Okay, you want to stick together, you're dysfunctional, but this is life, such is life. But when it's adult children and they're fucked up, empty nester parents... Why are any of these people in their lives? You make each other miserable. You give no joy. So why are you there? Why is anyone there? Yeah. Is... Yeah. The, the sister falls apart. The sister is the voice of reason at all times because she had, she's again, like the Jackie character that just openly is like, fuck our parents. <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't want to do Thanksgiving. She doesn't want anything because her parents are garbage. So I think that, yeah, it, there's just no reason that they would inflict this, themselves on this. And it's very tone deaf to the lies of actual queer people that have to go through this kind of thing because there are many queer people that have fathers like Bill and mothers like Joan and the healthy thing to advise those queer people to do is not to abandon their lives and move across the country in order to try to gain the acceptance of the parents it's to fucking walk away walk away you deserve better cut it off yeah no contact baby yeah Get go, out of there. go find your family because it's not there your family is your sister butch that's it that's it y'all need to just cut those people out of their lives until they come crawling back when they got cancer in their like yeah. 70s unless i guess the they all need the dad's money to survive just <laughs> just his own fucked up thing but then again like somehow butch has enough money in the very next episode to go buying his son a car thank you oh you honed in right on the thing because okay so it's inexplicable <laughs> how he has money what money he has what he does for a living in explicable okay we Thanks. hear it because it is on we value transparency we value openness and so full disclosure um episode five buyer's remorse is where i hit the times two speed on youtube yeah. to watch all of these within 10 minutes <laughs> what i like the only thing i liked about this episode was the fact that it was the only one that felt like a true like sitcom filler episode it's the only one that was like you know what we're gonna lay off the gay thing a little bit until the end we're gonna screw it home but we're gonna lay off the gay like 
everybody hates John Goodman because he's gay moment. So Junior, I don't remember his name, son, <laughs> needs a new car. So Butch goes to the lot and does like the classic father thing. Uh, going to be here as like, he, he buys the car for his son, right? And here's what uh, like a good version of the show would be. Because there was a very funny, I thought, like setup where butch thought that the salesman was hot and so he like yes. sucked and so he's like bad and is just saying yes to whatever the car salesman said and i think they should have magnified that and that should have been the premise of the episode because i think that's very funny yeah. like it's an inversion of the trope of the dad like negotiating and like playing hard ass with the car salesman on behalf of the son but instead like the dad is like flirting with the salesman. <laughs> that's funny they should have done more of that but yeah that's but it's exact if we show two men flirting on tv that's icky no yeah like sidebar by the way john goodman is like celibate uh at, oh, at, 100%. No, at no point does anything interesting happen on that front he makes jokes about having had sex with men but like there's no love interest it's not gonna happen ladies it's just not gonna happen which f- feeds more into like the headcanon that it was fucking brutal in hollywood <laughs> <laughs> and this man like le- left his family and didn't even end up getting any yeah in, yeah. in our uh normal ohio fanfic that's how it's gonna go <laughs> uh, let's the just lost- make <laughs> oh shit let's just make john goodman's life even more miserable if you work in the industry uh, hit us up for our spec script on <laughs> normal ohio Reboot. the lost years <laughs> we're rebooting it baby that's what everybody wanted right get us in contact with john goodman's agent <laughs> poor guy i don't think he's in great health but we'll make it work yeah so this was very much a filler episode that was my only errant observation about it yeah filler episode how do you have how do you, how does he make money? I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. So that is the other observation. He drives a BMW. He lives in his sister's house. He buys a car for his son. That is some sitcom economics. We never see him work. We never see him refer to work. We never see him discuss work. He's a contractor. I know that. They mentioned so, it like once. So that happens. The other errant observations I have is that they managed to be aggressively racist while also still having zero non-white characters represented to be racist against like the amount of times they do like an asian broken english voice in this series is unreal because this is not even like the episode where they're talking about the father the grandfather's war crimes and then the only other observation i have is when the grandfather character is trying to get the bmw out of john goodman's character and he said getting the bmw would take the sting out of having a gay son so i'm giving you my lesaba Free and clear. Drive it around for a month or so, see how you like it. And in the meantime, I'll take that German piece of crap off your hands. You'll love the LeSabre, honey. Rides like a cloud. It's the size of a cloud. No, you can't hit my car. It would certainly take the sting out of having a gay son. That was the only funny line in this show. It was, ban- it was absolutely bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? It was the only one that made me actually laugh. Congrats to that. Because it, I think it only makes you laugh. Because again, they laid off the they laid it they laid off the gay stuff in this episode. It was a filler episode. We are not we're not trying to do nothing with this episode. We're about to let it ride, and then right at the very end, they're just like, you know what? We're gonna go in our we're gonna go hard on our bullshit again. And so it's shocking. It shocks the laugh out of you. Okay, Zach, I, I need to be I need to be vulnerable with you right now. 
Okay. I didn't watch past episode five. Because I'm so you're sorry. Weak. I'm so sorry. You're I weak. I couldn't do it. I I wouldn't have done it if I hadn't had the brilliant inspiration that I could just watch this on times two speed. <laughs> like, I know that there are only two left, but I couldn't do it. I'm so sorry. So you're going to have to provide me and the rest of the world with all of your brilliant, hilarious takes. Okay, on yeah, the we'll remaining two reaction. episodes. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be the audience surrogate here. You guys stick with me and we're going to react to normal Ohio episodes six and seven. Yeah, so episode six is titled Working Girl. Alternate title would be Butch Slut Shames, the only family member that loves him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So his sister, so in the buyer's remorse episode five it's established that she's like studying to be nail tech license baby yeah, yeah, yeah. she's and... a business woman so next episode she fucking hates her job it's all for naught yeah and she wants to be and she decides she wants to be her own boss which means she needs to open up her own nail salon and that means she it's needs big to jump yeah, she needs to renovate her basement to do that. Oh, for $2,000. Uh, she probably needs a contractor for that, huh? Yeah, that's going to be Butch. So Butch is taking care <laughs> of the labor. I uh, says, that's free, but you got to buy the materials for $2,000. It's weird that they gave that number because I feel like that's very achievable. It was 2000 That might have been a little tougher. Yeah, but she needs $2,000. So first, she goes to her parents, like comes crawling and saying, I need, I need the money. Uh, why, don't, why don't you get on the ground floor of this thriving industry, uh, nails? <laughs> and uh, they decline. They don't want to do it. Let me tell you what, in come 2023, nails are a popping business. She just needed to wait for that TikTok boom. Yeah, she would have been great. Like she would have a TikTok right now. Her nail art would have been viral honey but, but anyway she said get in on this ground floor the parents did not have the vision and foresight to imagine how fresh sets would be popping off on tiktok so they say no mama and so she's fine i guess i'll just have to earn the money the butch's son says to her sort of offhandedly i have this friend who is earning like $700 a night as a stripper. So you could always do that. And then it's hey, laughed off. Get your and coin. Then, yeah. So that's just a laugh line. She goes and she gets a job at a very early 2000s tech store, like Radio Shack. And she's working there. She gets fired almost immediately because like her teenage supervisor wants her to call him sir. And she's oh, okay. like... Shades of the Roseanne episode. Yeah, very Roseanne. Um, and she says, fuck it, no way. And that uh, she quits uh, or is fired. I think she just says, fuck you, I'll never do that. And um, <laughs> gets okay. fired. Good for her. Respectable. Because she's like, I'm going stripping. And <laughs> so it becomes very much, it has the story beats of a very special episode. Because she tells Butch, I'm just going to be a stripper. There's no way I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be degraded by a teenager insisting that I call her, call him sir. And um, so she has no shame about it. She's not sad about it or embarrassed in any way. But Butch is like, no, don't do that. Don't degrade yourself to do this. I got to stop you. And so she goes, she signs up to be a stripper. She just walks up and it's like one stripper drop, please. And uh, she's hired. 
and um butch like recruits his piece of shit dad and is like dad you refused to give her the two thousand dollars and now she's gonna be a stripper <laughs> and they're both like we gotta stop her <laughs> and so we see <laughs> so we see her in like the uh dressing room um like getting ready to be a stripper she never takes off a single layer of clothing spoiler alert um <laughs> like uh she doesn't even change out of like her normal ass clothes um because it cuts to them in the front house of the strip club and uh they're like looking for her and then there's a classic sort of sitcom thing where there's a stripper up there and she has like a bride's veil thing on soon it's her and so the dad is like here's the two thousand dollars and um she had said but it turns out the sister had uh second thoughts and so she's actually in the audience and the dad pays off just a random stripper at $2,000. Well, good for that stripper. Yeah. it's. I, mean, um, I know she deserved it. It's an interesting choice to have for a show about like acceptance and like a gay dude. <laughs> like we're just going to like slut shame strippers and yeah. like. Yeah, we're going to do some. We're going to do an anti stripper moment. Now, I think at the time. What I will say is like the woke opinion of the time yeah, was to be like, women don't have to rely on their bodies to survive in this world. And yeah, this that's totally where much, it's coming from. This was very much the woke opinion of the time was that like, you don't have to do, you're more than that. You're better than that. And have to believe that's where they were coming from. I think they probably thought they were writing a pretty like woke episode. That's all I can say in like a half-hearted defense. Yeah, it was very much of its time. Now, of course, everybody has an only OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, just wait yeah. for that because it was on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to see me dressed up as weird sitcom mom lingerie, sure. Pay me $2,000 right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if we had an OnlyFans, it would very much be like the Liz Lemon. Exactly. I will sing the Laverne and Shirley theme song for you, but you have to send me mozzarella sticks first. Hey, folks, I will sit on cakes. I'll sit on pace. I'm not taking <laughs> off any clothes, but I will sit on cakes. Yeah. Does that do anything for you? <laughs> Throwing that out there. All right. I will you, do that. You hit up because it was on <laughs> at gmail.com. Because it was on at gmail.com. Let us know how much you're willing to pay for cake sitting. So that's episode six. Episode seven is the de facto series finale because they they called it quits after this. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're done. So. So episode seven, it's the Christmas episode. How could <laughs> they cancel them at Christmas? Yeah, the premise is that the opener is that the mother, Butch's mother, is very busy during the holiday. She has many things to do. And so can you please take care of the family newsletter thing that old people give up? <laughs> so it, she puts that on the sister. And so the sister and just brutally so fucked up. They just so casually drop this kind of shit. Her like rough draft or whatever of the newsletter. Maybe it was like from last year. I was watching this at times two speed. They they leave out. They do not mention Butch in the, their family newsletter. 
And so the sister's response is, okay, let's do a little bit of karmic justice. And we are going to make this like your official coming out to the community, like widespread. And we're going to make the entire newsletter about you coming out. And even though like the... even though it's canon already that everyone has seen the tape. Yeah, yeah. Well, within the family, I suppose. Three. This is just a like, you know, you know where the old newsletters go. They've got to do like your cousins, mm-hmm. the person that sold you the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then like she she has this like freak out moment and then it's never addressed again. That was just a cold open. And then because the real plot of it centers around the fact that she's finally getting a pew dedicated to the family in uh, the church, the mother, because I don't know, she's been there long enough. She's got her she's got enough like holes punched in her card. She gets a pew now and um, she's very excited. But the reverend is like, hold the fuck on. No. So she, she's like freaking out oh, for so some they reason. can't have a pew because gay son? Well, that's the assumption. And so Bush feels guilty about it or angry about it. So he goes to confront the rel- uh, reverend and is like, how dare you not let our family have a pew? Like, this means a lot to my mother. And just because I'm gay, you're not letting her do it. That's fucked up. And he's like, it has nothing to do with that. It's because your father in his poker games is doing bad stuff in there. It's come to my attention. Obviously, he can't tell the mom because he's perfect in her eyes. That would be like consistent character logic, maybe. (laughs) So there's this now this big mystery. Ooh, what the fuck is happening at the in these poker games that he's having having because the reverend says it's not because of gambling. So they go to spy on the poker games of the father. And it turns out that the father smokes pot. And like, so all these old men are like smoking pot. Uh, I refuse to believe that somebody who smokes pot that much could still be that big of an asshole. Well, again, the way that they just like torture Butch in front of like (laughs) constantly and casually. When the father's high, the joke is that he is like the ideal father and loves his son and is like bragging about how proud he is of his son to all his poker buddies. And it's no. shown that means a lot to Butch. <laughs> and but it's never the like humanity of that is never explored. It's just a bit, you know? So they have to find a way to trick the reverend into thinking that they don't do pot anymore. And so they invite the reverend over to poker where they initially were going to just do the whole thing sober, but the reverend sucks. So they sneak away to smoke pot and then return. (laughs) And then they go and they watch the Christmas lights that the little kid, the sister's son has rigged up and it's like super bright. And that's where they end it. That's normal Ohio. That's, the whole enchilada as was aired on television. The entire series ends with them all looking at, at the bright like lights, blinding lights uh, that the grandson has. Perhaps, perhaps, my dear Zach, this was some form of purgatory that all of these characters are in. And the bright white light is representative of them finally making their way into the hereafter post purgatory to what I can only assume for most of them is full hell. We've looked at your actions within this purgatory and you're all going straight to fucking hell, which has been there the entire time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think normal Ohio, like in a nutshell is a show with a premise that could have worked if they showed any empathy at all and gave us a strong point of view character. Yeah. Just somebody that we're supposed to latch on to 
Because it's not Butch, because they never give us anything to work with Butch. No reaction to any of the things that are happening around him. He's just sort of like the tour guide. Yeah. Like, it made me feel like if I watch an episode of Roseanne and cut Roseanne out, can John Goodman carry a sitcom on his own? Is basically what I'm saying. And part of me is, I don't know. This was not John Goodman's fault. No, I agree. I agree. It was not his fault. But... So you think given better writing, he could carry a sitcom? John Goodman is very capable at having real pathos. And yeah, I watch the righteous gemstones. I feel you. Yeah, he's definitely you give him the right material and he can work with it. I think they're totally he could carry a sitcom given the right material. Um, This was not the right material. yeah. Yeah, they just brush up against these topics, but they never explore them they never deal Mm -hmm. with the things that they plant down it's just they're like just galloping through yeah (laughs) just dropping trauma left and right but never exploring it and i get gritty sitcoms at late 90s early 2000s that was the thing people wanted Mm -hmm. there was definitely this space for like realistic malcolm in the middle style like we want to see like the real family this is what it's really like and there totally could have been a sitcom that was like real gay people in like middle america that could have happened what this wasn't it this This wasn't it y'all wasn't it this wasn't it this show sucked Suck to the moon clean out of the sky. Let me ask you this. Gun gun to your head, Zachary. You have to watch an episode of Normal Ohio or an episode of The War at Home. What are you doing? Normal Ohio. It's a tough choice. I think I'm also gonna choose Normal Ohio. For those who don't for those who don't follow along with because it was on Lauren Cannon, The War at Home yeah. was an episode. That for for we those explored. of you who looked at the episode <laughs> list. For those of you who looked at the episode <laughs> list for this podcast, it was like, ooh, I'm skipping to normal Ohio. Normal Ohio, baby. <laughs> we, had, we did an episode back in season one around teen sex, and we had to watch the show The War at Home, which was also a Fox property canceled after two seasons starring Michael Rapaport and also has a gay character in it and is also trash. It's terrible. I would also choose normal Ohio. I think Normal Ohio is a profoundly empty show. The War at Home is, there's a presence in The War at Home, (laughs) and that presence is evil. (laughs) Yeah, it's aggressively negative. Yeah, Yeah. it's like the Dementor of sitcoms. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) there's like a profound negative energy to that show. (laughs) Yeah, yes. Do you have a final word? I okay how okay so maybe we can talk about this in the context of gay comedy yeah let's compare it to other gay properties do you think just to sort of round this off (laughs) so our other gay sitcoms featuring a gay man are Will and Grace and Modern Family are like the big ones yeah and we have Normal Ohio that sort of sits in the middle it's a contemporary of Will and Grace Will and Grace sort of hit its stride um sort yeah. of after will and grace was picking up steam already kind of by this point yeah so what besides like that what we've already talked about like there's a clear class difference and cultural milieu of where these are based mm-hmm. how does will and grace like deal with the idea of selling content that features a gay character mm-hmm. to a straight audience um i think 
that Will and Grace is able to isolate and separate the idea of queer men, right? They base it in New York City within a a niche and a specific community. So they're separated as people away from the like the middle American. They are othered and separated in that way. So it provides this sense of safety and distance from the average middle American watching who might be aghast. And then I think on top of that, we within Will and Grace, like I think Jack as a character specifically is designed to play like the exaggerated stereotype of a gay man to get the audience to watch and go, oh, you know, like Will's just like us, like Will's relatable. He's the normal average guy and I can relate to him because he's, you know, he's not like Jack's like the, Jack's like the gay one. They do a little bit of that, but, but Will is also just unapologetically. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm he's, not saying he's, he's not. He's not a butch. He's not, he'll listen to show tunes. He knows the trivia. Yeah. He knows every character actress. Yeah. And they, <laughs> like, they're not trying to hide that, but I'm just saying yeah. like, in terms of like, outwardly overtly effeminate behavior and like the character and stereotype of what a gay man is jack is there to be that and will is there to be played off of that so i think that's true how they juxtapose jack and will how one comparing the two shows i think that my take on it would be that will and grace is a show that deals very much in like the even in the title, it's the gay best friend trope Mm -hmm. um, where like if my question is how did they sell queer content or a property with a queer character to a straight audience, Mm -hmm. the way that they sell that to the straight audience is this sort of like toyification of queer folk. A lot of the time of just framing Mm -hmm. the gay characters by their relation to the straight characters. Yeah. Just like that gay men are these magically intelligent, like always witty, fun people that are that make the perfect friend. Like, yeah, uh, they'll always fix your hair and fix your makeup and fix your outfit. Yeah, I believe we have on the docket like a full Will and Grace episode, so I won't go too much into it. But that show gave me such a complex about how shitty I am with celebrity names, and that made me a bad cake. If I don't know every <laughs> character actress that's ever existed, <laughs> how can I ever fuck a man? How can you ever be gay? And it's oh, Zach, I love you, but I would I don't think I'd ever have you put an outfit together for me. No, I <laughs> but what's funny is I totally for have this unjustified authority within my family as being like a fashion icon because I'm gay. Like my mother instantly loves everything I buy for her for like her birthday simply by virtue of the fact that I think she thinks, well, this must be fashionable. <laughs> It came from a gay. I'm a tastemaker in my house. (laughs) I've Um, seen RuPaul's Drag Race. You people know fashion. So that's what I think like Will and Grace does with, but normal Ohio's relationship to like selling queer content to a straight audience, I think is sort of the other end of that spectrum. It's like almost an erasure of there being such a thing as queer identity. Yeah. Where Butch, there's nothing about Butch, except in a few like gags that identifies him or marks him as being gay. And I understand this idea of wanting to engage in respectability politics in this way. Right. Of, you know, this was like 
made in a political year where gay marriage was very much part of the conversation. And so then using this respectability politics thing where, hey, I'm Butch, played by John Goodman, who for the past decade has been the iconic middle America husband. But now I'm playing a gay character just to like show up for the queer community. And they're just like us. There is no observable difference. We're not even going to weird you out with me ever flirting with another man that's what normal ohio is doing and so they're both extremely flawed oh yeah i love will and grace will and grace is a very watchable good television show yeah it's just got a lot that we will unpack yeah and it's it is flawed but also i think should be given sort of credit where credit is due in terms of being a first absolutely um, yeah and representation but yeah let's you know what Let's do a full episode on Will and Grace. Yeah, but what I'll underline is that Will and Grace gets a lot of mileage out of setting up the construct that there is like a something to gay men. They make all these like positive claims about what gay men are like to sell these fun characters. And they get a lot of mileage out of that. Normal Ohio is making the claim that there is nothing to gayness. There's nothing to being queer and you can't build a show off of the presence of of nothing. nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So if there's nothing there, if that is your thesis and the thing you want to sell, that may be a interesting political argument, but it doesn't make for a very good television show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think you nailed it. And you know what, Zach, my Chinese food is here. I think you nailed it. I have nothing else to say. I think this is a wrap. I think that we got it. Love the show. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode of uh, Because It Was On. Remember to like, share, rate, and subscribe. Uh, Tell all your friends. Follow Um, us on TikTok so that I don't get a complex about my 200 views. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead, round up your entire family and drop them all off at your ex's house and <laughs> go you have can all watch our TikToks. dinner together while you <laughs> have, watch our TikToks. I think that's a great idea. All, all right. Until right. next time. That's it. Bye bye. Because it was on. Because it was. Because it was on. Because it was on. Because it was on. Because it was on. Because it was on, because it was on, rate, review, and subscribe to, because it was on.